0: Welcome to the Talk Show for Talkers on irishtalkers.com
1: Welcome to segment two of this week's offering of the Talk Show for Talkers and this gentleman you'll all be delighted to hear is a Toastmaster, very renowned Toastmaster, has a very successful communications company. He is also the co-presenter or the co-author or the co-inventor of the very popular game, Rhetoric. And this gentleman's name is John Zimmer, and this speech, he titles it Graduation.
2: So enjoy. I am the proud father of two daughters. About a year and a half ago, Alexandra, my oldest, graduated from high school. And I remember that day as if it were yesterday. I thought my heart was gonna burst with pride. I couldn't wait to see my little girl step onto that stage and get her diploma. And when your last name is Zimmer, <laughs> it's a long wait. Do you remember your graduation day? Family and friends, a diploma, perhaps a gown, the cap with the tassel always getting in the way. Nostalgia for the past, nervous excitement for the future, the first day of all your tomorrows. I remember at one point during the ceremony, I looked around at the other parents, all those shiny, sparkly eyes, and a thought struck me. What about us? I mean, we all graduated years ago, decades ago. What about our hopes, our dreams, our tomorrows? Does graduation end with school? The word graduation comes from the Latin word gradus, which means step. When we graduate, we stand on a threshold and step into the unknown. That's thrill, the unknown. When I graduated from school, I joined what I thought was the noblest, most admired, most respected profession in the world. I became a lawyer. (laughs) Thanks for the support. (laughs) I found it fascinating, the legal concepts, the analysis, the very idea of a system of justice. I worked hard. I worked really hard at it. I would weave words of persuasion with principles of law to paint a picture of my client's case for the court. And I thought the future was clear. Partnership in a law firm in Toronto, Canada. Like I said, I worked hard. I read a lot. I wrote even more. They say only a lawyer can write a 50-page document and call it a brief. but the hours were anything but brief. I'd usually dash off for work in the morning before my two daughters were awake, and I'd often come home late at night, long after they'd been tucked into bed. There's an old saying, the wheels of justice turn slowly, but they grind exceedingly fine. I just never expected to be the one in the grinder but it was a secure job, a safe job. And so the years ground on. And then one day, I received an offer to work in Switzerland. And I thought, Switzerland? Chocolate, mountains, yodeling. I was excited. Not so much by the yodeling, but by the unknown. And it was a great opportunity. International law at the United Nations, which fit rather well with my degrees in law and international relations. But I was 36, married. I had a job, a house, two small kids. Could I give it all up? Not the kids, the other things. Was it risky? Yes. It was a one-year contract with no guarantee of renewal. Was I afraid? We'd be leaving family and friends, uprooting our children moving to a foreign country. We knew nobody in Switzerland. We'd have to find a place to live, a school for the girls, a job for my wife, Julie, and adapt to a whole new way of life. And there was a very real chance that in one year's time, we'd have to start all over again. Was I scared? You have no idea how scared I was. But as Julie and I discussed it, we both knew that if we didn't take this step, we'd always wonder what might have been. And I don't want to go through life like that, wondering. So I took the job. We sold our house, a lot of our possessions. And though it was tough to say our goodbyes, as we boarded that plane for Switzerland and the unknown, I felt that same nervous excitement for the future that I hadn't felt in a long time. It was graduation day, all over again. That was 15 years ago, and we're still in Switzerland. That's a lot of chocolate. And last year, Julie and I became Swiss citizens. Yeah, I suppose that is something to yodel about. But I'm not going to do it. Today, I stand on another threshold. For several years now, I've wanted to start my own speaking and training business. So I planned, I saved, I started a blog, I took every speaking opportunity I could find. Last October, I told my bosses that I was taking that step. I was quitting my job to set out on my own. Now, as it turns out, they weren't quite ready for me to take that step, and they asked if I'd stay part-time for six months. And they're great people, and so I've agreed. I'm excited, and I'm inspired. I'm traveling a lot. I'm meeting wonderful people whom I never would have otherwise had a chance to meet. In fact, four days from now, I'm flying to Novosibirsk, Siberia to do some teaching there. And in two weeks... I'll turn 52. Now, I can imagine what you might be thinking. He's 52, he's prepared to walk away from a secure job, it's the middle of winter, and he's going to Siberia. (laughs) Is it risky? Yes. Am I scared? I'm as scared as I was 15 years ago. You'd like to hear a happy ending to this story, wouldn't you? (laughs) So would I. But I can't give you one, because I have no idea how it turns out. You see, life doesn't come with a script or a map or a guarantee. Life comes with opportunities. Life comes with thresholds and we have to have faith to cross them. And what is faith? Martin Luther King said, faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. And you don't necessarily have to quit your job or move to the other side of the world Maybe you take on new responsibilities at work. Maybe you take time off to finally write that book. Maybe you learn a language. Maybe you even go back to school. It's any one of a thousand possibilities. And in your heart, you know what it is for you. But you have to take that first step. And it won't always be easy. And the journey won't always be smooth. But since when has life always been easy? And since when has the journey always been smooth? I am the proud father of two daughters. And this year, Kristen, my youngest, will graduate from high school. And I know my heart's going to burst with pride all over again. Kristen's a little bit nervous about starting university this fall. I'm nervous about paying for it. (laughs) But neither of us can wait to see where the staircase leads. Earlier, I said that life doesn't come with a guarantee. That's not entirely true. It does come with one guarantee the guarantee that sooner or later, it's going to end. (laughs) And no, not every day will be graduation day, but any day can be graduation day. Because every day, we can take a step into the unknown. So I say to you, the members of the 2014 graduating class of TEDx Lausanne. <laughs> as you say goodbye to friends old and new, as you leave this event and return to homes near and far, as you embark on the first day of all your tomorrows, seek out those thresholds. Have faith. Take that step. And I wish you the very best of success.
1: And we should have said at the outset of that particular speech that John Zimmer was giving that speech in Lausanne in Switzerland in 2014. And when I sent that on to you, Paul, you were impressed? The speech. John speech
3: yeah. Well, maybe listeners can have as much fun as I had listening to it because I identified 41 different rhetorical... 41 rhetorical devices used during the speech.
0: That's quite something. That's quite
3: yes, they included uh, storytelling, humour, inviting engagement by the audience, rapport, challenging providing fresh information. Uh, what else did he use? Returning to the start of the speech? Talking about today? Talking about the future? He didn't
0: have any triads, which surprised me. He he had a few uh, repetitions where he, he gave one sort of on this hand and on the other hand type. Um, but uh, it surprised me he didn't have any triads, because that is the probably the most powerful, if overused, (laughs) rhetorical device. Well,
1: I'm smiling at Myra here, listeners, because I'm going to give all of you a challenge for this week. If you can pick 41 rhetorical devices out of this particular speech (laughs) and not discover a triad, well done, Myra. Well done, Myra. You must have picked out another 51, so... So, Paul, that was a fantastic contribution over you, 41. So this is really an Aladdin's cave for Toastmasters, yep. this particular speech, the I think so. of learning that can be done.
3: And if you want to craft a speech that works, really fascinating. I mean, just give you a tiny little example, he begins the speech with a bit of fresh information which the audience do not know at all. Remember? He, has two he daughters. said, I'm a father and have two daughters, right? Yes. Fresh information. Who's this speaker? Right. Bang. So I can in some way connect with my life. He launches into a story next. Fair enough. Long story. In, while launching into the story, he inserts humor. So very soon on he has done that. And the fourth thing he does is invite the audience to get engaged with the speech. So, there's a very simple, mm. terrific way of starting a speech. Um, it goes on with other things, but yeah. if you really study it, you might look at your own speech and decide well, am I, ge- am I hooking, how am I hooking the audience? Mm. Am I quickly getting into a story? Have I got humor? And then am I engaging with the audience? End of my advice.
1: And that's your challenge, listeners, for next week. We want to see your comments. Thank you. And
0: join us again tomorrow, when Paul is going to be bringing up an interesting conversation that is around the ethics of judging speech contests. The Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website, irishtalkers.com, for more information.